Welcome to Reynolds Wrap, the positive and practical podcast. We want to encourage you through spiritual insight from God's Word to maintain an authentic Christian life. Hey, rappers, it is such a privilege to be with you as always, and I hope you're having an amazing day today. Uh, It is time for us to spend some time in the Word of God and to be able to reflect on what God has planned for your life and how God can continue to bless you throughout your life as you focus on Him and on things that truly matter. This is the Positive and Practical Podcast, so we're going to keep everything really uh, upbeat and full of joy this morning. I hope that this uh, time together we have through this podcast, this particular broadcast, will be a blessing to you. And I, I know if you've tuned in before, some of you've listened uh, regularly, maybe every week. Um, others of you may have just found the program, but either way, you're a blessing to me, and I hope you'll keep coming back for, for original content and uh, just be encouraged. So this morning, I want to talk about our joy as a child of God. Uh, I have, throughout my life, experienced many things, and uh, I know that if you followed the podcast, you've probably heard bits and pieces of my story. Maybe one day in the future, I'll tell uh, even more of my story. It'll probably take longer than the 30-minute block that I have planned for today. But um, I want to just spend some, some moments with you thinking about how we need to and how we can be full of joy. All right, let me let me just go through a few, highlight a few thoughts that I have when it comes to the subject of joy and rejoicing, and then I'm going to share with you some thoughts from Scripture, and hopefully by the end of this, you'll understand that as you experience true joy, I'm talking about genuine joy, uh, it's something that never leaves you. It's not something that fades in and out, but it's something that resides within your heart, and it basically permeates every facet of your life. I want you to know that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. You make a choice every single day. When you get up in the morning, you make a decision. People say, well, I'm just unhappy, or that person makes me unhappy, or drinking that, or eating that, or being with that in that situation. Those things make me unhappy. Nothing makes you unhappy. I correct myself frequently in front of people when I say, you know, that, that was horrible. It made me do whatever. And I have to stop myself, and I tell people all the time, you cannot be made to anything, to do anything. You have free will. No one can make you do a single thing. No one can make you have joy. It is your choice. It is your decision to take joy and let it reside within your heart. It, it is something, from the Christian perspective, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So, we understand by being a fruit of the Spirit, if you, if you have the Holy Spirit within you, then certain things come out of you. It's kind of like when you plant a tree. So let's say you, you always wanted an apple tree, and you go to the store, and you say, hey, I want to buy some seeds for an apple tree. And you get the soil, and you dig the perfect spot in the yard, and you plant the seeds just like you're told, and you fertilize it, and you water it. And as time goes by, you see the little sprout, and here it comes, and you can tell it's going to be a tree. It looks great. It gets a little bigger, and the bark begins to fill out on the tree. And after a few seasons, you begin to watch, and you say, you know, it's going to, I think this is the season. This is the one. And the little buds appear, and next thing you know, here come the fruit, and it's a fig tree. Or it's an orange tree. 
you would be shocked. It's not the tree's fault. The tree produces what you put in the ground and what you fertilize in your own life. If you choose to fertilize and nourish and care for something other than joy, that's all that's going to reside there. Does that make sense? If you, if you fill your head with a lot of negative stuff and you choose to read and to watch and to be entertained by things that are negative, that's what's going to reside. And that's the fruit that's going to come off the tree that is your life. Those are the things that are going to be born out of you, okay, if you get, if you get the illustration. But if you plant joy, you make a solid choice to let joy sprout in your life, the fruit of that joy is going to be something that other people can partake of, and they're going to enjoy it. They're going to take it into their life and plant the seeds of hope and of goodness and things that will, will just basically change them from the inside out. But it starts with you making a choice. I tell my kids, you don't wake up happy. You wake up and decide to be happy. You know, I don't, I don't ever have those moments where I set up in the bed and go, oh, it's a morning, good day to you, sir. You know, I'm not, that's not me, okay? I don't just, like, take the resurrection up off the sheets and go, good morning, good morning. That's not me, okay? I, I, even though some of you think I'm very happy and cheerful and I try to be as much as I can, I, I'm, not, I'm not a morning person. Okay, things, things motivate me in the morning. Uh, a good long shower will motivate me if I know I can get a good long shower in the morning. A good cup of coffee will motivate me. If I know I'm going to have a really good breakfast, yeah, you got me. If I know I'm going to have time to make bacon and, <laughs> bacon and eggs or if I'm going to be able to eat my favorite cereal, if I have enough milk you know, to be able to do that. There are certain things that motivate me in the morning. If I'm about to go somewhere. Or to be with someone that I'm going to enjoy being with that person. Titus Camp's a great example. I know we're doing the COVID-19 social distancing. And, and so we have had to make everything virtual this year. But at Titus Camp, I don't have a real problem getting up in the morning. I can't wait to go see my friends and the kids that are there as part of the camp. Because I don't get to see them you know, basically once a year. So you know, we, we make a choice every day that we want to get up and we want to be full of joy. It's our decision. So that's very important. The first thing is we've got to see that joy is a choice. The second thing is joy can sometimes be a seasonal thing, some people say. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how that's wrong. But some people will say joy is a season. You know, you have seasons of happiness and seasons of sadness. And, and I agree that there are some seasons of sorrow and there are some seasons of heartache. But if joy is a choice, it's not necessarily a season in and of itself. It's a way of living. It's a, it's a thought process. You make a choice, a conscious choice, as to how you want to process something. You can say it's good. You can say it's bad. I've ha I had a friend here just recently that went through something very traumatic. And um, the whole time that they were going through it, I was trying to help them see different positive things that were coming out of this situation. Even though it was a terrible thing, no one was hurt, you know, nothing, nothing really traumatic happened as a result of it, but just some very, very poor decision making and, um, and some destruction of things that could be fixed. Okay. But, but whether there be health or whether there be, you know, uh, well-being, everybody in the situation was okay. 
We have a choice when we go through things, whether or not we want to look at it from a positive standpoint. And I know that you're going to say, well, it's hard to take things and some things in a positive light. And I agree with that. Sometimes it's very difficult, but God can work all things together for good. I do think that verse gets abused. That's another subject for another day. But I do believe that God ultimately wants good in your life. He's not out to get you. He wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to be happy. The reason why people come to Christ is because they see Christ in other people. They see a person that's full of joy and happiness, and they say, I want that in my life. I want to be like that. Joy isn't Joy does not mean that you're going to have the absence of suffering and sorrow in your life. It doesn't mean that God is going to remove all that stuff. Instead, it means that God is going to be present with you in that stuff. And if God is in you and with you and for you and by your side, you don't need to look at everything through a negative lens. Jesus is on the cross. He prays for the forgiveness of the people below him. He cries out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not saying to God, you've turned your back. He's simply quoting Psalm 22, which is an explanation of every detail that was happening there on him and at his feet. Jesus was trying to, even in the moment of his death, draw attention to his father. He was wanting people to see the message of Psalm 22. He was wanting them to see the the heart of his ministry, which was turning their eyes towards God. He found joy even in the most difficult of circumstances. Remember that Jesus did kiss Judas in the garden. He could have ran. He, he, he gave Judas every opportunity to realize the significance of what he was doing. And in fact, it's because of that that Judas repents, which is a sidebar story that we forget. Joy is not the absence of suffering and sorrow. Joy is knowing that God is present with you. He, he is never going to abandon you. Do, you. do you understand that? Do you, can you really comprehend? Can you, if you don't learn anything else today, could, could you, somebody needs this message. Can you understand that God is not against you? God is, not, God is for you. He's not trying to punish you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying, he doesn't look for every single day an opportunity to teach you a valuable lesson about life, youngster. You know, he's not the old grumpy man at the end of the street that's going to hit you with the cane and get off my lawn. That's not God, okay? That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is merciful. He is gracious. He is understanding. He is wise. And he knows that we are all immature little children. And we're going to make a, a host of blunderous mistakes. That's just life. God is on your side. He's with you. He loves you. He wants to take care of you. Now, granted, if you make the wrong decisions, you live with the consequences. That's not because God hates you. It's because you made a foolish mistake and you're going to have to live with the consequences of your decision. And sometimes we have to live with the consequences of other people's decisions that we're with. Maybe our parents, our siblings, friends, people at church, whatever the case may be. So when I, if I want true, genuine joy, I've got to stop thinking of it as a seasonal thing. I've got to stop thinking of it as a, you know, if I have any suffering or sorrow or heartache or trial or tribulation in my life, God's just going to suck all the joy right out of me or the devil's going to take all the joy. No, you make a conscious choice. Remember what I said at the beginning, whether or not you want to be happy and joyful, you make that decision. That's your decision. I, I spent 20 years of my life plus studying, going to college, getting several degrees, and, and in addition to that, studying at several good, both Christian and secular universities. I have, I have studied, and I'm trying to brag, I'm just saying, 
I, I've studied underneath a lot of great people, both, both secular people and spiritual people. And I've learned a lot about life. I've learned a lot about myself. But I'll tell you, in the last couple of years of my life, due to the season that I'm currently in, I've had to rely on a lot of other people that are not there to instruct me, not there to try to teach me, but people that are just simply trying to listen and guide me or let me, maybe rephrase that, let me be guided by God to make better decisions and to be able to handle certain situations, seeing God is present. There was a moment in just the last few years of my life, a season that lasted several weeks where I was so depressed. I was so sad because of things that were happening in my life that I had no control of. And I began to, to question. I never doubted that there was a God. I just wondered why he was so mad at me, you know, because I've had these seasons before. I know God's gotten me through difficulty from time to time and in years past and with certain situations with family and with friends. But, but this time it was extremely personal. And it wasn't in my frame of mind. It wasn't anything I had done to bring these things about. In fact, my neglect of handling a certain situation made it worse. I actually made it worse on myself by saying, God, you handle it. God, you handle it. God, you handle it. And not doing anything on my own accord. Waiting until something traumatic happened to go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, God wanted me to act on this a long time ago. He had, he had in his mind a, a, a pre-planned route that if I had taken it, things would have been a whole lot easier for me. But I didn't do that. So I live with the consequences. You see, it's not just a choice. Sometimes it's the neglect of a choice. It's sometimes wanting to ride the fence or not make a serious decision that there's consequences to that as well. And I did. I questioned whether or not God was present with me. And I had to surround myself with people and not just counselors, mentors, but also the music I listened to, the podcast I chose to listen to, the books I chose to read. Those impacted me profoundly. I talk sometimes about those podcasts on here or on my, on my website. But there are certain people who have helped to guide me and helped to get me on a road where it's more healthy for me. And part of that learning experience didn't come from book knowledge. It didn't come from education or from a degree. And I mean, I've got a, I've got a PhD in ministry. I've studied for years and years and years about ministry and counseling and coaching and helping. But when you go through that season, it's completely different. And you have to take your own medicine. You understand? And you have to take a good, hard look at your life and say, this is not, the, the things that are happening to me are not just because of decisions I made. It's because other people around me are making really foolish decisions and I have to live with the consequences of it. That doesn't mean that God is trying to punish you because of people you surrounded yourself with. And, and in some of our cases, it's a child in our life that is just making huge blunderous mistakes. And we've tried and tried and tried to coach them and guide them and teach them and show them the way. And we've done everything we can. We took them to church. We, we put them around spiritual people and they still just don't get it. It could be a spouse that is narcissistic and hateful and rude and cruel and anti-Christian even. It could be a parent in your life that's domineering and hateful. It could be a boss. It could be a coworker. It could be somebody who is your superior in a, in a line of work or a teacher at school. And you're just thinking, how in the world am I going to survive this thing? Is God upset with me? Just, just hear me out. God is present. He is with you. 
And if God is with you and he's for you, you can have joy in every single moment of your life. That doesn't mean he's going to take away the suffering. It doesn't mean he's going to take away the tribulation. But you find joy in his presence. In fact, I try to, when I'm going through a difficult season in my life, I try to pray more frequently, even though I'm upset at God, even though I'm unhappy at the way things are, even though I have prayed and prayed and prayed. And you, you, those of you listening, I'm sure you experienced this. Something's happened in your life and you have taken it to the throne of God day in and day out for years. And God says no every single time. And you just get so upset. It's not God's fault. Could God intervene and change it? Absolutely could. He has all power. But ultimately, There's a plan that he's working towards, and we either can tell him how to change the plan and give him the game plan, or we can trust in him. I love to watch coaches and players on the sideline. I like it that they put a lot of emphasis now. The cameras are showing the coaches on the sidelines and the other players and things like that. And I remember when I was in high school, um, we were running a play, and our quarterback never audibled. I mean, just very, very rarely did he audible, and it was always that he had permission to do it. And he had begged our coach to do some particular running route, or not a running route. It was a, it was a, it was a throw, and if I remember right, it was eighty-one jet. And we had we had lined up. He had lined us up for a running play, and one of our receivers was really, really good. And he had a really poor corner on his side guarding him. And so when he had an opportunity, he's like, throw me the ball. I'm going to score a touchdown. And he's like, I promise you, we're going to score a touchdown. All you got to do is throw me the ball. And the coach would not run that route. He would not do it. So for two quarters, the whole time, we're running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. We're throwing to the tight end. We're throwing to a slot receiver. We will not throw to our key captain receiver who just wants to score a touchdown. And finally, after annoying the snot out of uh, the quarterback, our receiver said, you know, hey, look, throw me the ball. Trust me. Just throw me the ball. And he goes, you better catch it. He's like, I will. I promise. It's going to be a touchdown. Easy. So we line up, and the play is called at the line. You know, we, we know what we're supposed to do. And when we line up, our coach thinks we're running a running play, but he can tell by the way we've lined up that we're not going to be running the play he asked us to run. Quarterback drops back, had perfect protection. We, we, were, we all knew we were on the line. Our rear ends were on the line, okay, if we mess this thing up. <laughs> we knew we probably could get in trouble anyway. But we line up, and here comes the here comes the throw, and he throws it, and it is an absolute perfect pass. I mean, he's right. the The corner was not expecting a throw to that side, and it it basically lands in his hands. But he just a misstep, and he ends up dropping the ball. Our coach was livid. He was so angry. He called a timeout to yell at us. He's like, what are you doing? You know, I called the play. Of course, then our quarterback's like, sorry, coach. I just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he's like, don't ever do that again. We do that with God. We want to call an audible. We're like, Lord, I know you may have something planned, but let me let me be the quarterback. Let me be the one who calls the plays too. Let me be the one. I know how this situation is going to. And God loves it when we take charge of our life. But we have to follow his pattern, his playbook, or we're going to really mess up. God is present for a reason. God is with you for a reason. It's not so he can just kind of walk around you and see what you're doing all day. He wants wants you to guide, be guided by him. He wants you to be led by him. He wants you to ask him questions. He wants you to walk with him and never forget that he's there by your side. 
And if you don't have any joy in your life, how do you expect to let God's Holy Spirit reside inside of you? How do you expect to be guided by the word of God if you don't have any joy? When you have true, genuine joy in your heart, which is a fruit of the Spirit, you'll always walk with God in an obedient way. I want to follow him. I want to see what he has for me. I want to go the places he wants me to go. I want to experience the things he wants me to experience. I mean, joy is God's gift to you. Joy is God's gift. He's giving you a present. It's the gift. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We should relish it. We should, we should dwell in it. We should live in it. I mean, there, all the discontent of the world, all the negative stuff that's going on around us, it shouldn't impact us. You know, we say, what about this quarantine, right? You know, it seems like it's going on forever. It is, and it may go on until the end of the year. Do you understand that? You're, we're having to adjust our lifestyle and this may be a, it's not absolutely permanent, but it's a, a long-standing issue. We have to make choices. We, and we can, we can choose to sit and binge watch our favorite shows. Or I, I see that all the time. It, it just aggravates the snot out of me. People get on and be like, well, I need to binge watch another show. Anybody got any ideas? You know, why don't you binge the Bible? <laughs> you know, why, why, don't you, why don't you binge prayer? You know, why don't you binge spiritual things? Why don't you take your Bible out and choose to read a book? A friend of mine, uh, Travis Creasy, and another friend of mine, Ben Hayes, they have a, a they call it uh, the Batify Challenge, and they're challenging people to read their Bible and exercise during the quarantine. It's been extremely effective for a lot of people. Uh, 40 days and then 50 days and reading the scriptures through each day. And I love how uh, Travis each day will read the scriptures publicly on his page. And so you can actually read along with him. Uh, the intention is to bring, uh, bring your, your thoughts, your mind towards things that are spiritual in a time where there is something like this going on. But in this moment of time, as, and we never thought we would live in a time like this, we can choose to sit around and think negatively, or we can say, this is where God has kind of given me a pause. This is my year of Jubilee. This is not my year of sorrow and suffering. It's my year of jubilee. It's to refocus on things that really matter in my life. Spending time with my family. You know, not going. I don't have to go out to a restaurant to eat. I can eat at home. I talked to a guy uh, yesterday or day before. We're buying some things for the church. I'm up here every day working, doing things. And so the elders have asked me to take care of a couple little projects. And so I called him about some signs that we wanted to get printed. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, we usually order through Vistaprint. It's easy. Uh, it's very cheap. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that just about everybody uses it. Business cards, letterheads, uh, banners, you name it. We use them. And I told him, I said, we decided on this project we wanted to use you. We've used him before. And I said, one of the reasons that we wanted to do this is because we realized that our local businesses are the ones that are really hurting the most. That during this, this outbreak, this pandemic... People aren't going to these places. And they have a website. You know, you could call them up and get stuff ordered. But their business is hurting, and we don't want to see them close their doors. So it may be a little bit more, but it's going to help a lot in the long run to develop a relationship with someone close to us. So good things can come from stuff like this. We pull together and survive it. Uh, but let me mention this, too. Talking about joy, I can't help but mention the book of Philippians, okay? So Paul, if you're having a situation in your life where you're, you're in a season where you need more joy, I mean, we all need more joy, but if you really, really need to focus on things in a more positive way, read the book of Philippians. 
and read about the difficulty of the day as a Roman soldier or as a Roman prisoner, look at what Paul had to go through. Now, granted, some of his places he was under house arrest, but that doesn't mean he just had an ankle bracelet. That means somebody was there guarding him at all times. And he says to his, his readers, I need you to rejoice. And just in case you didn't hear me, I need you to rejoice. I need you to rejoice. You need to remember God is near you. You don't need to be anxious about anything. You need to know that in every situation of your life, if you're praying, if you're asking petition from God, you bring it with thanksgiving. You present all of your your needs, your wants, your requests to God. And when you do that, he's going to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding, that is going to guard your heart. It's going to guard your mind. And and in that moment, you'll begin to think about things that are right and true, things with, with nobility, things that are pure and lovely and things that people admire. He's going to give you a mind to think about things that are excellent, things that are worthy of praise. Those are the things he says, you saw in me, you heard me speak of, and now I need you to live it. And he repeatedly talks about joy and rejoicing. You know, he, he, no doubt, you need to pray about your worries. You need to bring those things to him. And he deals with that. But he says, in all of that, you need to remember that God is near to you. And when you're drawing near to him, he's going to fill you with the things that he wants you to have. When you go to the table of God, you know what's going to be presented to you. When you sat down and feast at the table of God, you know that the dishes that are presented to you are going to be good and they're going to be wonderful and they're going to be amazing if you'll just allow yourself to taste it. As a child, I remember... My mom, bless her heart, she was not a great cook. She was not. She could make some sweets, really good at making a few Christmas sweets. She was not a great cook. She didn't spend a lot of time in the kitchen. She was very sick. She had lupus. and um, But when she did cook, she put her whole heart into those meals. My brother listens to the podcast, so he'll know exactly what I'm about to say. There were some things that my mom made that just it was I don't want to say disgusting, <laughs> but they were just really not good. Her lumpia, I know my brother's probably laughing right now, lumpia, um, the, basically taquitos. I, I just did not like them. She loved them. She'd make them all the time, chicken, beef. The beef, it wasn't even beef. Sometimes it was deer meat. But we, 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 she would make it. She loved it. She would make, I remember early on in my life, we would, we would have a cream of chicken or a cream of tuna or a cream of mushroom soup just poured over bread. And I was so excited when she'd give me four pieces of bread to put across my little square plate. We had these little square Tupperware plates. You know, they look like the ones people traveled with and campers. You know, you had the red and the yellow and the brown. It brings back all these memories to me. And I would love it when I got four pieces of white bread I could put in all four corners and fill that sauce. But usually we just get two pieces of bread or sometimes one piece of bread with that little bit of stuff on top. It wasn't that great. But I'll tell you what, there were some things my mom would make and I would absolutely love. She would make tostadas, which we would try to do once a week because it was always my favorite. She'd take a flour tortilla and she would put it in oil and just kind of make it just crisp enough. I liked mine a little rubbery, but not quite. So just crisp enough. You lay it on your plate. And we always had refried beans. We had beef or we had venison. Uh, we had like sometimes two different kinds of cheeses. We had paste, a picante salsa. We had, um, you know, all the goodies you put on it. Onions, lettuce, tomatoes. I didn't do the lettuce and the onions. 
But there were times my mom would try to get me to try new things. I remember when I was little, she tried to get me to try coconut. And I just spit it out. She liked German chocolate cake. So did my grandma Lita. She loved German chocolate cake. I would not eat it because I didn't like coconuts. There were times my mom tried to get me to eat things with nuts in it. And I'd always order it with no nuts. Didn't want any nuts. But I've grown older. And once in a while, I would try something my mom would give me. And you know what? I would like it. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to like some of the things she tried to get me to eat. I didn't want to enjoy what was at my table. I wanted something else. When you walk with God and you sit at the table of God, you will feast upon things that he will provide that will change your life forever. It'll guard your heart. It'll guard your mind. It'll help you to have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Don't reject what God has put on your plate. It's good for you. Sometimes you got to eat the peas. I like peas, by the way. You got to eat the corn. My dad loved hominy. I didn't like it at first. But we would eat it eventually. Beans, certain beans I didn't like. There's a reason why your parents put it on your plate. They know that it's good for you. It may not taste good for you, but it's good for you. That's the way God works. And God wants to bring joy to your life, but you've got to enjoy the plate that is before you. And then let that it come inside of your life and let joy outpour through you. Know that everybody around you can be impacted by your decisions. Joy is a choice. So let's choose it today and every day after. We thank you so much for tuning into today's broadcast. Hope that you'll follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Keep coming back for original content on these podcasts and share them with your friends and loved ones. We also want to encourage you if you have any questions or want to direct something towards me, uh, any possible topics coming up in the near future you'd like for me to cover, you can write us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day, and we want to encourage you to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus.